Chapter Eleven of Thou Art the Man. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Thou Art the Man by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. Chapter Eleven Before the Coroner. Daylight which solves many mysteries brought to light the weapon that had slain marie arnold the knife that killed her was found lying among the thick tufts of primrose and foxglove a few yards from the spot where she was murdered and it was a knife which the keeper who had attended the two men in the salmon fishing identified as belonging to brandon mountford he had seen him use it fifty times he told the solicitor from carlisle who was watching the case and mountford's interest convinced of mountford's innocence and anxious to protect his guest even in the midst of his own trouble sir joseph had telegraphed to his solicitor that morning and he had arrived at ellerslie at noon and had occupied himself for more than an hour in looking about him and questioning the servants who had been concerned in the tragedy of the previous night the inquest was opened at the village inn at three o'clock in the afternoon by which time everybody in the neighbourhood had heard the details of the murder or had evolved from his or her inner consciousness details far more elaborate than the actual facts of the case there was a general impression that brandon mountford was the murderer and had been caught red-handed before he could withdraw the knife from his victim's heart and there were conflicting theories as to the motive of the murderer the most popular hypothesis was that he had pursued her with dishonourable proposals and finding himself scorned by her he had killed her in an excess of blind fury an act which he doubtless had repented as soon as the thing was done that this quiet gentleman who had won everybody's good word was a concealed lunatic was now the general idea and tom dane the stableman was the first and principal witness he described the finding of the body and how brandon mountford had been discovered kneeling beside the corpse his hands stained with blood his countenance pale and agitated his manner wild and incoherent had he any weapon in his hand asked the coroner no his hands were empty did you think it strange that there should be blood upon his hands asked mr fangfoss the solicitor would it not seem natural that he should have touched the body in order to find out if there was life left in it he being the first to find the deceased i didn't think about that sir i only thought that mr mountford's manner was very strange stranger than the occasion warranted well sir 
i should hardly have looked to see a gentleman like mr mountford a gentleman who has travelled and roughed among savages i've heard say struck all of a heap as he was when i found him half like a man had a gone silly i should have expected him to recover his equilibrium sooner than he did but there's others who saw him and they can speak for themselves what time was it when you found the body in the wood a little after ten might have been a quarter past i heard the clock strike soon after i left the stables hubert urquhart was the next witness asked if he had assisted in the search for the missing girl he answered in the affirmative the search had begun immediately after dinner when it had been ascertained that neither miss arnold nor mr mountford was in the house mr mountford had been seen going out to the gardens at six o'clock and had not been seen by any one in the house after that hour when was miss arnold last seen she was with miss higginson in the drawing-room at tea-time that would be about five o'clock i suppose suggested the coroner from half-past four to half-past five were you at tea with these young ladies yesterday no i was by the river what time did you go back to the house at half-past seven or it might have been a quarter till eight is that your usual hour for returning i have no particular hour i have been governed by circumstances the weather the sport my own inclination i take it that you went back to the house later than usual last night mr urquhart said mr fingfoss he was a keen-looking man thin fair with smooth sandy hair and a countenance that was little more than a profile he had a quick bird-like manner of turning his head to one side with an interrogative air and nobody had ever been able to surprise his full face yes i was later than i generally am you generally took tea with the ladies before half-past five i think sometimes not generally but i don't think you need occupy the coroner's time with those trivial details small details sometimes lead up to large facts you went home by the wood i believe yes i went by the shortest way from the river to the house did you hear nothing or see nothing unusual on your way nothing did you meet miss arnold no nor mr mountford i met no one were you alone yes how was it the keeper who usually attended upon you was not with you yesterday asked mr fangfoss simply because i dismissed him early in the afternoon having no further need of his services you did not want him to carry your tackle no my tackle is kept in a hut near the river i had the keeper's boy with me at the river ready to carry home my fish if i caught any but as i caught none the boy wasn't wanted oh you had no luck with your rod yesterday though you were fishing later than usual none when did the boy go home 
at the same time i did i suppose but as his way was not my way i can't answer for that fact and you met no one you saw nothing heard nothing in the wood i have answered that question already to his honour i'm sure you won't mind answering it over again to oblige me said mr fangfoss with his chirpy little air and a insinuating slant of his sandy head i do not object but i repeat that you are wasting time i heard nothing i saw nothing but the trunks of the firs and the pathway by which i walked i met no one this closed urquhart's evidence the room was crowded and the day was warm and the witness looked heated and weary as he sat down he gave a little start on glancing across the crowd for among the spectators he saw the last person he expected to see in that room sibyl higginson stood in the background wedged among the villagers and looking over the shoulder of the short stout mistress of the inn where the inquest was being held she was dressed in black and wore a hat which shaded and almost concealed her face but he could see that she was very pale why had she come there her presence betrayed an intense interest in mountford's fate the man who found the knife in the wood testified to the fact of finding it and that he knew it to be mountford's property mr mountford has no wish to dispute that fact but he does not know how long the knife may have been out of his possession said the lawyer it is some time perhaps a week since he used it can he say that it has been missing during that time asked the coroner he is not clear upon that point but he can recall the last time of using it when he was in the boat the lawyer went on to argue that there was no evidence whatsoever against brandon mountford he had been the first to discover that a murder had been committed and he had been found stupefied with horror at the deed by the grooms who came to the spot with their lantern immediately after he made the discovery to suppose that any man would be calm and collected in such a crisis would be to suppose that man wanting in natural feeling the young lady had been known to him and had been his companion in many pleasant hours he had last seen her beautiful and happy full of life and high spirits and he found her lying alone in the darkness foully murdered would any man be perfectly calm and self-possessed and able to give a very clear account of himself under such conditions yet because this man had shown signs of agitation and distress he had been hauled off to a village lock-up and treated like a convicted criminal mr fangfoss ventured to say that he had never heard of any more outrageous abuse of ignorant authority in the whole of his experience of the rural police there was much reason and much vigour in mr fangfoss's harangue but the fact of mountford's absence from the house during the same hours in which marie arnold had been missing made an impression on the jury which no arguments of the lawyer could weaken 
that he had been found on the scene of the murder with blood-stained hands and blood-stained clothes was much but that circumstance startling as it was could be more easily explained than the fact of his disappearance during the very time at which marie had been missing a disappearance which involved a complete departure from all his habits a marked breach of domestic etiquette that a guest who until yesterday had been undeviating in punctuality should keep everybody waiting dinner should offer no excuse for his absence implied a state of things in which passion had got the better of prudence and had overthrown all the laws of a gentleman's existence the coroner had dined at ellerslie more than once during mr mountford's visit and he knew him as a person of courteous manners and perfect consideration for others to the coroner as well as the jury his conduct on the previous evening seemed incompatible with innocence the verdict was willful murder against brandon mountford the inquiry before the magistrate was to begin on the following day and in the meantime brandon mountford was to remain in the lock-up with every probability of being committed for trial after the magisterial inquiry End of chapter eleven